0: That night the city burnt, and the mother church of the city burnt with her, and yet the tower and the fire still stand, soaring to the sky, and I feel that's an emblem of the eternal majesty and love of God.
1: Greetings. You are tuned into the Miserable Offenders Podcast. Pull up a chair and join the conversation as we seek answers to life's big questions, drawing wisdom from the well of traditional Anglican theology. This is a production of the North American Anglican.
0: Welcome to the Miserable Offenders podcast. Uh, This is Canon Andrew Brazier. And uh, Canon Isaac, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, uh, glad to be back after a long time. This is Canon Isaac Rayburg. Um, I'm the uh, rector at All Saints Anglican San Antonio Church. And um, the canon for liturgy in the Anglican Diocese of the West.
0: And he fits it all on a single business card, everybody. You should see that business card. It's fantastic. (laughs) I got a free t-shirt from
1: my business card. That's all that matters to me. Oh, man,
0: I'd like one of those free t-shirts. That'd be nice, you know? (laughs) All kidding aside, you are the guy that I go to, though, for uh, questions on on liturgy. I'm like, hey, by the way, can you do this? Has this been done? Um, You know? And then I wait for your verbal, you know, slapping of the hand. Virtual, because we got a social distance. And I guess the distance between San Antonio and, uh, and Birmingham is pretty far apart. So.
1: Much more than six feet. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Much more. You know.
0: I've seen all those signs of like you're going into a restaurant and it's like, remember, you know, six, you know, hamburgers apart or you know, whatever, you know, six foot longs apart. And. I've yet to see one in a church. I'm sure someone has done it, but like, you know, six, you know, pews apart or something like that. Six thurible swings. Ooh, <laughs> mm, that's good. Mm, I'm gonna have to steal that one. I like that one a lot. We gotta make that into like a, a sign that you can like sell. You know? That'd that be that could great. Be our side project, you know. L- little fingers. M- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, some merch. Some <laughs> merch. Merch that no one will buy, but we'll just put it on this website. Like we have all this awesome merch, you know, selling out fast. People look <laughs> at it and like it. It never sells out there. Like, shh, it is. Just trust us. It's about to be all gone. So we were chatting uh just a second ago, and I mentioned Canon Isaac. I was like, we gotta start just recording this because we haven't done a podcast in oh, I don't know, um quite a while. I think it's it was been, been a while. Five months. Yeah, you and uh Jesse were able to do a podcast. Uh, about COVID, which is great uh, in terms of kind of the response and, and what's going on uh, in the world. And uh, so here we are squeezing out our second podcast in 2020, so don't expect too much of this, but uh, <laughs> but it's been crazy times. So how have things been going with you and, uh, and your parish and kind of handling, um, you know, I guess we're six months in, I'm trying to think of, yeah, we're about six months in yeah. in terms of, of COVID um, being the new reality.
1: Yeah, things things have been well. Our people have been faithful. Um we we've been running about uh fifty to sixty percent in terms of folks attending, but yeah. uh still doing stuff online. Figure we'll be doing stuff online maybe for another year. Um I've gotten a lot of use out of my uh, my, my hood and tippet doing a online morning prayer. So yeah. that's worked out real well.
0: It's fantastic too. Um Canon Isaac has a parish webpage uh on Facebook where he records Doing those daily offices, and they are wonderful. Uh, Oh, the twenty-eight prayer book. Yeah, I really enjoy them. Uh, He also has a lovely uh, chanting voice, so uh, I would definitely recommend it because I pull it up all the time to kind of hear your tone and and how you're engaging in the chant, and uh, have learned uh, quite a bit from from doing so.
1: My grandma tells me I need to slow down just a little bit, but uh, but that's that's that happens when you're solo, I guess.
0: <laughs> that's that's funny. That, that, that's funny. I can only imagine. I speak way too quickly, especially for a southerner. Um, so I can only imagine your grandmother thinking, like, man, that 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 guy just needs to learn to, you know. Put some peanut butter in his mouth, you know, really slow himself down, <laughs> well, enunciate.
1: <laughs> and she's a retired Episcopal deacon, so she was uh, her big thing every year was chanting the Exultet, and so yeah, yeah. she's uh, there's I think there's some professional uh, <laughs> advice going on there as well.
0: <laughs> there you go, she knows what she's doing, so yeah. yeah. That, that's great. Well, we were chatting also about Anglican podcasts and how. So many other podcasts you know actually do episodes on a regular basis <laughs> and, and how uh, we're quite proud of them, uh especially like the sacramentalists. Give a shout out to them on uh on really becoming uh, you know well grounded in becoming a regular feature and phenomenon in Anglican podcasts and uh, and just in general, so many other Anglican podcasts, uh, goodness gracious father. Lucas is going to kill me. What's the name of the podcast that he does? It's um, fantastic. Word and
1: table for those guys. Yes. Word and, and then and table. Uh, um, uh, Father Father Gingrich Bart Gingrich and a couple yes. other guys do their um,
0: yeah Father uh, Eric uh, yeah
1: Parker, yeah. There, there's there's uh, they, yeah and they and have like a couple audio. of those yeah that's yeah, and, yeah. I I've really enjoyed that. Sometimes I I, uh, I think to myself yeah. um, if if I could get that a day early I could cheat on my sermon big time because uh, <laughs> the they go through yeah. stuff yeah
0: <laughs> i have to agree with you on that one yeah i listen to their stuff and i'm like mm, got to put that in you know yeah, oh, save well, that for, for next, next year, year. yeah <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> save it for next year but uh and then so i forgot about uh father wilgus's uh podcast name i'll throw out a shout out to uh he's part of the greenhouse movement and they've got like a new online program uh that they're doing right now and I think they just sound up there first. It's St. Paul's House of Formation is yeah. the name of it. I've not participated in it, but I've asked him about, you know, what, what is it about and what's the setup? And, and they've got a pretty awesome curriculum that's really geared uh, towards uh, lay and, and clergy alike. on just kind of going through an overview of the faith uh, and Anglican tradition. So lots of big things happening, you know, despite 2020 uh, going on. And glad to see that with our, our brothers uh, in arms. the anglican interwebs
1: (laughs) yeah making us grow you know that's that's the way it goes
0: well where we left off if anyone happens to remember (laughs) is we've been doing uh knowing god uh through the liturgy uh which is this uh work from uh reverend dr peter toon and knowing god through the liturgy the great thing about it is it is freely available online you can buy a copy and i'm all about having the printed word because i'm an old man but um you can also get it uh for free if you want to follow along with us on a uh, uh, new scriptorium newscriptorium.com and you can go underneath like the peter tune collection uh they've got their their online books organized by different uh, folders and authors so go to the peter tune collection and you can get knowing god uh through the liturgy And we're in, we're at the end of chapter two, that's where we've left off at, um, and we're at the section called Old But Excellent, so I figured we'd pick it up, and before I go any further, I'll say this, that we're planning on doing shorter episodes for Miserable Offenders to hopefully make it more regular. And so uh, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, this is shorter than what they used to do, it's not because we're throwing in the towel. We're actually trying to make it a little bit more uh, accessible, uh, not to the listener, but really for ourselves, just because of the busyness <laughs> of the multivocational life uh, that we have going on. So I guess without further ado, we'll go ahead and dive on into the text. So Ken and Isaac, I'm open either way. Would you like to, to jump in first or would you like me to jump in?
1: Yeah, I'll start this time around. Sounds good. All right. Old but excellent. End of chapter two here. My primary purpose is not to attack the new approach and uh, new approach to and ways of worship, which the Anglican communion is increasingly led to experience through its new books of prayer. Rather, it is to show that the old tradition of common prayer, despite its seemingly old fashioned look, is an excellent way to know God, the living God, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ in public worship further it is to recognize that from this knowing trusting and loving him comes the serving and obeying of him in daily life however to develop my theme and substantiate my arguments it will be necessary from time to time to contrast the old and the new ways thus there will be some further criticism of the new ways i do not apologize for this it is unavoidable if it be the case that the modern way as i have come to see it is in fact truly inferior as a spiritual offering and sacrifice to God in holy worship. My concern is that at the level of revealed truth and devotion, there be genuine knowing of God as our Father and Savior.
0: And thus, Dr. Toon speaketh.
1: I very much um, appreciate his, um, his qualified approach there, um, Yeah, that's very much that's very much how I feel. You know, I've 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 done videos for the newest of the new ways, the twenty nineteen for our diocese. Um, We used it on a clergy retreat a couple weekends ago and it was great. Um, But um, I I do think the old way has has some superiorities to it. And that's that. And that's really my my big thing is not so much to put down the new ways as to um, highlight what what we're what we're missing by by throwing away the old ways.
0: Yeah, I would agree, Ken and Isaac. And, and I like how the spirit that Dr. Toon writes this, because Dr. Toon calls a spade a spade and it doesn't really hold back. Uh, he even mentions that he's not going to apologize when he's comparing the two and, uh, and mentions the differences and criticizes the differences. But uh, one benefit that we have is that with Dr. Toon, I looked at the publication date, and I want to say it was 1993, 93 or 92 for this work. And so, of course, it's only the 79 prayer book is the only new prayer book in the American context that's available uh, for him to review and look at. I am curious what he would have thought about uh, the 2019. I'm sure he would still yeah. have his criticisms. We've expressed criticisms on the 2019, but um, at least 2019 is bringing things in the right direction back towards a traditional classical um, prayer book understanding and, and some language, uh, not in all instances, but in other instances. But uh, I think this is definitely the way to approach it when it comes to um, even having this conversation or like a healthy debate with fellow clergy or, or fellow laity who are interested in prayer book uh, revision and in which prayer book is being used. It's kind of look at it as, look, there's differences and you can't just ignore it. And it's healthy to talk about what are these differences and, and why. Why are there these differences that we see?
1: And I think I said this in the last episode, um, just as I reviewed it um, yesterday, but um, the lectionary from the 2019 is superior to even the, 20, the, um, the 1928. And yeah. um, I, I would say superior even to the 1662's lectionary. Um, they just did a heck of a job on the daily office lectionary. It's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful.
0: It really is like I've been using it um this past year. I know it's funny. I was listening back to that episode. That was the last episode that uh I had been on, which was in November of twenty nineteen, uh, nearly a year ago. And back then I was mentioning using the twenty eight and using the uh the twenty eight lectionary, not the nineteen forty five revision, but the twenty eight lectionary because it was closer to Cramner's vision in the sixteen sixty two. Well, since then I've started using the Daily Office uh, lectionary for the twenty nineteen because we're using it in our parish and trying to, to form people on that regular habit of the daily offices. And I'm like you. I haven't used the 1662, so I can't compare it. But I do find the 2019 uh, daily office lectionary you know, vastly superior. And uh, it's quite pleasant to be able to go to the majority of Scripture. And frankly, whenever there's some omission, I just add it in. You know? uh, yeah. I'm just like, rule of thumb, it's like a lot easier, A, to read more than less. And plus, you know, it's Holy Scripture, so it's always uh, going to benefit us uh, by including more rather than less.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, I'll pick up here on the second paragraph. The seeking after God and the knowledge of him is the most deeply fulfilling journey upon which we can embark. We need a sure road to travel on. An accurate map to use as a fate. to me an accurate map to use, and a faithful guide to direct us in our search for the living God and fellowship with him. I believe that wise people will take that road, use that map, and employ that guide, which have proved themselves over the centuries to achieve what they promise. Modern forms of transport may be better than older ones. Modern houses may be warmer than older ones. But knowing God is not like using transport or buying houses. In this human quest, we need to pay attention to the accumulated wisdom and tested practice of the centuries. This is more likely to lead us where we want to go than our modern insights and untested ways. While the old way necessarily bears traces of the historical and cultural situation in which it was first put together, it has been so pruned and finely tuned over the centuries that it has achieved the position of being immediately adaptable and and available to people who wish to take the call to Christian prayer seriously. I like this point that he makes canon Isaac, I like your take on it, that he, he points out in a certain way, in a more beautiful way than this, that you can't look at the achievements of man through technology and then use that same lens on, well, we should achieve a better way of worshipping, necessarily, or a better way of having liturgical prayers. Uh, he definitely doesn't take the view of, well, we're progressing over time, therefore our liturgy progresses over time, it's, it's more better to have historical edits from what I'm gathering from this paragraph here that slowly fine-tune uh, the prayers versus starting over and, and writing something from uh, From your place in history. If we write something right now, that's brand new It's gonna read like a 21st century document. People you know, 50 100 years from now are gonna be able to tell uh, probably especially this year, more than any other year. Uh, that was written in 2020. You can tell.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the dark times.
0: The yeah, dark times.
1: <laughs> yeah. We we see this most most especially when it comes to um, kind of praise and worship music, um, the, the CCM type of stuff. Um, you have to always be brand new to be contemporary. Um, it's it's how it's it's amazing how quickly that stuff will get dated. And um, okay, we've got a contemporary service. Yeah, but everything you're doing is thirty years old. Well, that's yeah. what was contemporary when we did it, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And and that's, you know, that's that's just kind of in the nature of the beast. Um and 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 I do think sometimes there has been that that mentality when it has come to liturgical revision, um, certainly when it comes to to kind of big box style worship. Okay, we have to be we always have to be relevant and nothing ages quicker than relevance.
0: That's a good law, Absolutely.
1: And so, yeah, I think that, I think that's real important. And at the same time, you know, I, I do appreciate that he, he points out that it did have its own historical and cultural situation. And, and I think it is important to ask some of those historical and cultural questions. Um, you know, the book of common prayer is very much an English speaking document and it doesn't always translate well into other languages. Um, you know, notoriously, the Spanish translations have been terribly wooden, and really? just, oh, they've been they've, been they've been they've yeah. been horrible. Um, okay, we, we've got a Spanish professor. One of my one of my, my curates is a is a is a is a Spanish teacher by trade, um, yeah. and um yeah, and it's the especially when we're talking about some of those older translations translations of the older books of common prayer. Um, they they just don't translate well. Now that doesn't mean we can't use the concepts from the book of common prayer in Spanish, but we have to be, you know, because language is cultural, we yeah. do need to take those things into consideration. We can't just do a wooden BCP translation and think that it's going to serve other languages or other cultures as well as it necessarily serves Kind of the English speaking and anglophile world, but at the same time, we do see that it was used in the missionary context, um, all over the world to great effect. So, I mean, there, there's a balance either way, I do think,
0: yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a great point. I didn't realize that about the Spanish, uh, language version, I knew that there was one or there is one that's on like that, uh, justice, uh, J U S, uh, mm-hmm. Anglican website. And, uh, of course, I don't speak Spanish, so I haven't actually looked at it, or, and I wouldn't know what I'm really looking at or reading. But that makes sense, especially since the uh, Book of Common Prayer formed our own language, English, uh, so much in terms of standardizing uh, uh, spelling and language and idioms and sayings that we say to this day. And um, we take it for granted and not even realize, and not even take it for granted, a lot of us don't realize how much that prayer book um, that Cranmer writes has uh, in terms of its impact on the English language, uh, also like the King James Version of the Bible uh, how much it really shapes how we communicate, how we phrase things, so it's just part of us inherently, so I can't imagine the difficulty of trying to translate into a different culture the same gist of the prayer and then also retain the same beauty, uh, because I feel like that, you know, Cramner's work is kind of is once in a lifetime, you know, kind of uh, situation, and then trying to do that for a different culture and different language is certainly a heck of a task um, to have to take on, but but you make a great point, but at the same time, the prayer book was able to uh, follow the British Empire as it went across the globe and still take root, um, I mean, from India to Australia to... Uh, the African nations, you know, and everywhere else in between.
1: Yeah, we've got um a significant portion of our diocese are folks that are that are uh from Nigeria. Um yeah. I'd I'd say at this point probably two thirds to three quarters of our of our clergy are from Nigeria. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting development with, with that. And and there's there's a large um large Nigerian immigrant community um in the United States, um, especially Houston, Atlanta, and Washington DC are kind of really big Nigerian communities and, um, just, just really neat folks. But, um, we, uh, we were having a clergy, a zoom meeting, um, earlier this year because of COVID and, um, one of the, one of the, the archdeacons was uh, tasked with, with, um, talking about the liturgy and, 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 uh, he was tasked with, with talking about the Nigerian liturgy. So I figured he was using, he was going to be using the Nigerian book of common prayer, which is, I think the most recent ones from 2007, I think, um, which, which is an, it's an interesting book. I only have it in PDF, but he was actually, he actually did his based on the 1662. Yeah. Because for a large portion of the folks from Nigeria, they still think of that, you know, which is their, the the book that, that, evangelized the nation. Um, you know, that's, that's what the missionaries were using. That's what their their churches were founded using. You know, a lot of them consider that as the Book of Common Prayer still, regardless of the fact that the Church of Nigeria does have um, a couple of, of revisions of their own under, under their belt.
0: That's fascinating. That That is really neat. And I think that it kind of goes to what you said earlier, that uh, even culturally and nationally especially, you see revisions of that Book of Common Prayer 1662 uh, uh, and others to fit the national situation. And, of course, in the American context, we had the uh, 17, uh, oh goodness, 1796, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that on that year, but with our first edition of the uh, Book of Common Prayer. And there's a whole history of trying to get approval in terms <laughs> of our prayer book because, I mean, quite frankly, it was getting a little bit heretical in terms of just stripping down uh, and stripping out doctrines and uh, and finally we had to be we Americans had to be forced to put in a lot more of, of what's in the 1662 into our first prayer book and ever since then we've had revisions where we've uh, typically have beefed up our prayer books ever so slightly even up to the 28 In the 1928 it was a little bit of a radical revision in terms of yeah. what it was including. Uh, I say a little bit, it was a radical revision, even though if you look at the 1892 and the 1928 as 21st century Americans, we may say, there's not that much of a difference. There was some stuff added and all, but but it was very radical for that 28 prayer book to be adopted. And the 79 just kind of, you know, in terms of right to and and other rights, um, you know, really radically shifted uh, what had been basically revisions over the years into a, a giant uh, uh, new document altogether with some hints of the past by keeping a right one that was in the same traditional language but still modified from what had been uh, in the 28 its predecessors.
1: And I'm I'm just speaking of, you know, kind of the right one. Um, Supposedly by the end of the year, um, the ACA is going to have a traditional language version of the 2019 out. I'm very much looking forward to, to comparing that to the 28 um to write one and to 1662 and uh, just seeing how you know how how all that goes about i I have not gotten hand on any drafts yet um so that that might mean that there just isn't any yet but uh, but i'm looking forward to that when it when it comes
0: yeah and i know there is uh some drafts that were online um and i'm trying to google it as we're we're chatting here and i'll send it to you oh good um, when i find it actually Maybe it's here. I think I got a bookmark. Aha, here it is. So if anyone's listening, it's northamericancommonprayer.wordpress.com. And uh, actually, here's the note. Yeah, I think this is the website that that reader uh, uh, Jacob Hoopman put together. And he actually has an editor's note that this project has been superseded by the production of the uh, Book of Common Prayer 2019 Traditional Language Edition. But he's just leaving up this page uh for future uh reference. So if it's not on there, uh at least that was kind of his his drafts of what he was putting together for ACNA's benefits, then I would check out the ACNA uh liturgy task because I feel like there was some draft that was out there. Uh I'm sure it's old and not the the final text at all. But uh I would love to see that kind of that analysis. Sounds like a good uh North American Anglican article there. In a Just to put I'll, yes
1: i'll I'll add it to the <laughs> queue, right <laughs> all right, shall I go on on this one sounds good my My plan for this book is governed by two major considerations: first, I want to strengthen the commitment of those who now use the b c p nineteen twenty eight or nineteen sixty two and secondly, I desire to encourage people who have not used a classic b c p to use one for the first time if not in public then for their personal prayer and devotion then there are also those who probably once used it and being overtaken by the new ways ceased to use it i hope they will pick up where they left off and do so with enthusiasm Therefore, I seek to explain first of all what is unique about knowing God and how this knowledge can only truly be received and experienced in a liturgy where there is faithfulness to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and to his self revelation recorded in Holy Scripture. Having shown what it is to know God both personally and corporately, I proceed to comment on the major services and provisions of the common prayer tradition in order to show how the knowing of God is presented and achieved in each. For example, through saying daily prayer, reading Holy Scripture, receiving Holy Communion on the Lord's Day, and participating in the Church Year. Finally, I offer my thoughts on such topics as inclusive language and the doctrinal content of knowing the Lord, our God. Yeah, all I can say to his first, uh, his first um, of the major considerations is Amen. I mean, that's that's very much what yeah. what I've what I've done in a lot of kind of my my work um kind of unofficially and even even in some official contexts you know as in in my role in the diocese um and 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 my journey was very much that way i I probably mentioned this before but you know i mean i grew up as a a young child with the 79 and when i came back home as an adult that's what i began to use but um yeah that the uh the robust theology of the classical texts just got a got got a hold of me, and and, and um I couldn't let that go. Yeah, and, and you know, I I would say that, you know, again, this is this is in this context, seventy nine is 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 the modern liturgy for for the United States, but in you know, for us, you know, we do have that twenty nineteen option. Um, I, I do think that the twenty nineteen does represent um his words were faithfulness to the god and father of our lord jesus christ and to his self-revelation recorded in holy scripture i do think that 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 is that the, that the 2019 is faithful to that yeah um there are some areas where they flatten some of the distinctiveness of um shall we say classical anglicanism mm-hmm. um because you know frankly American Anglicanism is a big tent these days.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's unfortunate, but, that's a, but I could see why that was necessary.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a good point. Like Some of these criticisms that we'll get to hear, these kind of set up in terms of this paragraph about looking at uh, inclusive language and actual uh, doctrinal content. I think is what we're gonna see a nice kind of dance in terms of here's uh, Dr. Toon's qualms on uh, problems of the 79 prayer book, basically. And then we can kind of see what did the 2019 do to correct it, you know? And like you mentioned, a lot of the changes that might have not gone back to the classic prayer book is because of the, the big tent that American Anglicanism is. And for myself, kind of my journey, to Anglicanism is coming to a, an Anglican church that was using the 79 uh, liturgy. Uh, of course, it was like a lot of churches would hand out a bulletin that would have the service printed into it. Mm-hmm. And coming into Anglicanism uh, and not knowing what I was getting myself into, uh, I didn't really realize that there was a prayer book and that laity, you know, could and should use this prayer book to be formed in the faith and so as I started, you know, finding out fairly quickly, you know, within a month or so of attending that, oh, there's this thing called the prayer book, you know, and we just make these bulletins to make it easy for everyone. Oh, that makes sense. I want to look into this and doing some research because, you know, I always want to, you know, price shop and, and compare, you know, I started realizing there's these other prayer books. There's these, this 1928. What is this? And I started comparing the texts online and uh, it hooked me really quick. Um it's definitely not the type of thing that would hook most people because a lot of people like the ease of modern language and they read like a 28 and think that this is really difficult. For me, I ate it up. I just enjoy, I always read old books and it was really noticeable to me really quickly the difference in terms of the emphasis and the theology itself that was being taught from the 79 uh, compared to the 28. And uh, so I, I bought a 1928 prayer book. And the rest, they say, is history. You know, I started learning how to use the darn thing and uh, taught myself on it. And about five years later, people started making YouTube videos. I was like, I could have used that. <laughs> but I'm glad people are, are making them now on a, an easy way to kind of use your prayer book. But that's kind of how I stumbled my way into um, the use of the 28 prayer book for daily office. All right, we'll pick back up and we'll finish up uh, the episode uh, reading these last couple of paragraphs. Through this process, I show that the liturgy, the corporate worship of Almighty God, through written services of worship for baptism, confirmation, daily prayer, and Holy Communion, is truly the work, Ergon, which the Laos people of God, do before God. Liturgy has to do with people and work. God's believing people engaged in God's holy work, the work he has called them to offer to him. In Hebrews 8:6, the word liturgy is used of what Jesus Christ Himself is now doing for His Church in heaven before the Father. Quote, Christ has obtained a ministry, that is liturgy, which is as much more excellent than the old ministry of the high priest as the covenant he, medi- med- me, as, the covenant he medi- <laughs> as the covenant he mediates is better than the old Mosaic covenant, since it is enacted on better promises. The church at worship is united with the new covenant to the liturgy of Christ, his precious death and glorious resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and his ministry there as our king, high priest, and prophet. In the, commu- excuse me, in the common prayer tradition, this union with Christ is expected, anticipated, and wonderfully achieved by the grace of God. And to this, I believe, millions in the church expectant or triumphant now testify. Thanks be to God. All in all, my aim is to show that by God's good providence, there is within the common prayer tradition a logic of faith derived from the New Testament. This is intended to operate both corporately in God's people gathered as Christ's body and in individual persons in their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If this logic of faith is disturbed or, more still, repudiated, then the common prayer tradition as a biblical tradition is lost and great, may be a repairable harm done the Anglican way. Thus ends my flipping of those last two paragraphs. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: That last, uh, that last bit about um, the, the maybe irreparable harm um, done to the Anglican way. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been something I've thought about a lot. Um, yeah. Our, our memory is a tradition um, as much as we, we laud being a, an ancient tradition and we are, um, sometimes our memory is very, very shallow. Yeah. Um, you know, when I read some of the, um, newer things that are coming out, it's, it's almost as if they just assume that the way Anglicanism has been, you know, since the 20th century is the way it always was. Um, you know, when I, when we were reading this stuff, um, in our previous series, um, oh gosh, what, what was that? Who, who was the writer on that? Um, at any rate, yeah, our previous series that we did that that was uh talking about the spirit of Anglicanism.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um good to say, I'm not gonna remember the author's name. It wasn't Marshall, was it? It's like it started with an M, but um
1: we should know this. That's that's what happens when we All record right. late at night. Uh, <laughs> this but, is true. But, but at any rate, you know I mean so so much of you know, he he had these very early twentieth century, late nineteenth century assumptions and even though he was talking about um 17th and 18th century authors i mean it was as if well the way we've been doing it for the last 50 years is the way it's always been yeah and so uh, yeah and then that that tendency kind of scares me a little bit <laughs> in our tradition
0: yeah. i agree wholeheartedly uh, that, that's a great point and i think you've kind of aimed the flaw in in anglicanism uh at least in the, in the american context that, that i've also experienced. Um, which is a limited part of my backyard, but it's been the same lack of depth in terms of uh the tradition and the faith and uh, I thinking and quite frankly, I'm not even thinking what's happened in the in the 20th century, but really what's happened in the past fifty to sixty years yeah. has been the norm, and it really ignores uh you know the the history of what's happened in the past uh, hundred years has really been transformative of not only Anglicanism, but most traditions uh, due to a variety of factors of uh, the two world wars, the ecumenical movement, the liturgical movement. Uh, Vatican II has had its imprint on pretty much every uh, uh, tradition, uh, even Protestant traditions, and even uh, those of us who claim it, and independence uh, like Anglicans and some Lutherans. We've all been impacted by that. So what you see today, is not necessarily what uh, your grandparents would have seen if your grandparents were uh, Anglicans and, and grew up in the Episcopal Church, um, you know, some seventy years ago, let's say.
1: Yeah, and 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 as and we want to make sure that it's not just about kind of going back to the nineteen fifties, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think you know our own, my own parish, that was some of the ethos in its founding was we want to you know keep things the way they had always been how dare they change it yeah um but you know very few of the people that are there now had any experience with pre 1970s episcopalianism mm-hmm. you know for so many of these people now this is the way they are encountering god in a deep way for the first time mm-hmm. um this is the first this is the first time they're encountering god through the means of liturgy systematic um reading of the scripture as part of worship not just as study um you know the church fathers history um you know the reformers you know this and and so and, and i and i and i do think that the classical texts are better at that than than the new stuff and i so i i which is why i like dr toon so <laughs> there we go yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and that's like, uh, that's one of the reasons why, like, here's a shameless plug. I don't mean to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's like, I just recently had a, uh article come out on the North American Anglican doing a reading plan. And I mentioned in that article that people are probably going to think, this is interesting that he's doing it off of the 2019 uh, instead of one of the classic uh, prayer books. And the reason why is because I was thinking about how many uh, uh, laymen and laywomen are coming into Anglicanism for the first time and they're trying, they're hungry to learn, which is great. They really want to learn, they really want to read and, and learn more, and they don't know where to start. And if you just hand them a 28 prayer book and say, Get started. Now, if you're at a 28 uh, prayer book parish, it makes sense so that that's the way to right. you go. You know, they're there, you know, and you're already doing that liturgy, so they, they like it, they get it, you know, run with that. But I'm kind of thinking of for a lot of our uh, new Anglicans. And, uh, and even new uh, clergy that are coming into Anglicanism uh, a lot of times from other uh, traditions and denominations that they haven't been quite formed by the Anglican way of life so I thought I'm going to use the 2019 to give a reading plan try to get everyone reading through it and the theory was behind that is if you read through the 2019 a couple times a year and then we add in historical formularies of the 39 articles of you know reading through you know the aspects of the classical catechism you know and then throwing in like the apology for the church of england which is a certainly an old text because it dates back to uh the 15 uh, uh 50s and 60s um when it's being written and, and actually 1560 i'll look that back up afterwards but uh <laughs> but in the, the mid 1500s of when the english reformation is still very much a new ongoing uh uh activity of the church of england in order to get people introduced into here's the basics of what anglicanism is and i plan on doing like a part two reading plan of like all right now you've, you've drunk from the well of like a modern language prayer book and you started getting a taste of our formularies which is written in older language now let's dive into either the 1662 or the 28 american prayer book and start to get that classical language and start reading it once every six months and start to see, oh, there's some notable differences, you know, in terms of, you know, what was included or not included from the 1662 or the 28. It is now included or not included in the 2019 prayer book. We'll try to hopefully get people uh, to be formed by our uh, Anglican formularies. At least that's the theory. We'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Well, shall we uh, wrap up this episode? Keeping Sounds with our, our goal of uh, some shorter episodes <laughs> moving Certainly, <forward. laughs>
0: our noble goal there. So, well, it's so good to chat with you again, Canon Isaac, and uh, so good to do another podcast. Hopefully, everyone enjoys, and we'll start doing more of these more often.
1: Yep, I'm glad, glad to be back, and looking forward to continuing being back. God bless. Absolutely,
0: God bless. Take care. It was
1: the spirit of our forefathers that built that grand building. I believe that that spirit is with us still and will help us to, to rebuild it one day when we served and suffered a while. a little longer. Build it again today to the glory of, of Jesus Christ. Miserable Offenders is a production of the North American Anglican. Learn more at n-o-r-t-h-a-m-anglican.com.